1: everybody, this is part two of my talk with Barry Katz, so if you missed part one, you might want to go back one episode and listen to that one first. It's a great episode, and so is this one. Thanks for listening. When you work with comedians, and this is something I see because I still go to a lot of open mics, and there are, um, I guess there can be a tone deafness as far as your comedy is concerned. You get so married to a bit that you think it's funny and you love it and you keep doing it, even though it's not landing. How do you, is objectivity something you can teach a comedian or is that something they just have to figure out on their own?
0: That's a great question. Don't you love it when somebody says that's a great question. Isn't that the best? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like I'm doing my job. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that's one of the biggest problems with comedians starting and and working towards success is their lens. You know, Mm -hmm. like everybody has a, a different lens. Like I have a shitty lens for myself. Mm-hmm. and i think sometimes i i purposely do it to myself like i'll purposely wake up you know it's like i know i sh- you know god i should be so grateful and i get to you know i get the i get to live you know at the beach and you know in, in malibu and i get to enjoy um a quieter uh really and sometimes I'll just on most days I'll just wake up and I'll be like, if you don't get it together today, you know, it's all over. It's shit. You better you better think about packing out of here and moving up. Now I've been here in this town for almost twenty years mm-hmm. and I'm not going anywhere unless I buy one of those conversion vans and live in a van <laughs> down. By the, river. <laughs> by the way, I was there when that sketch oh wow you know, um farley was incredible jay moore would say he was a wrecking ball of joy right? yeah but, yeah but so but so the lens like i you know my lens when i say that and when that comes out of my mouth what i just said about where i live it comes out of my mouth the first thing that my mind tells me is you, know, you shouldn't have said that shouldn't have said where you live that's That's pretty shitty when you tell people where you live and you live at the thing. And, and, um, people only need, need to know that. And then the other side of me, when I wake up is like, I'm, you know, I, I, today you better make it happen today, Barry, because if you don't make it happen, it's, it's all going to go away and you're not going to have shit. And I don't recommend anybody think that way. But that's that's my lens. Mm-hmm. I, I, I force myself to believe that everything is going to fall apart if I don't get my shit together. And even though if my shit is together, I say it's not. Even mm-hmm. though if I do something that I I change somebody's life. And and I say that again, humbly, too. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm the guy who like God who said, oh, I changed your life. You know, it takes somebody's talent and my talent and together, you know, we change things. But I have worked on things where, you know, again, this doesn't, it's not coming across with humility and I don't know how to say it any other way. But like, as an artist, those that I'm speaking to all of you, it's like, the way I knew that I was doing something and I was going in the right direction as I started representing somebody, uh, at first, it was, uh, uh, one of my first clients was Anthony Clark and, you know, I start representing him and an audition comes in and he goes in for the audition and he gets a call back and then another call back. And and these tests and he gets, a sitcom in LA for NBC. I'm like, wow, I, this guy was just doing my open mic night. <laughs> you know, this guy doesn't, this guy has never, like, this guy, the most this money this guy's ever made is $100 for a show. And now he's getting $20,000 or $25,000 a show. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe that's just a fluke. And then Jay Moore auditions for his first sitcom with uh, Jerry O'Connell and Hillary Swank, mm-hmm. and he tests and he gets it, and he's flying out to L.A. It's like, well, I guess, I guess, I, I, nah, that's just a, no, nah, that's <laughs> just that, that's just fluke. It's just whatever. It's done. whatever. And then Louis, I submitted his VHS tape to Jerry Seinfeld because Jerry was touring in New England. Mm -hmm. And I knew he was looking for an opener. And I edited the tape together when Louis was 18, sent it. And Jerry called back with George Shapiro and said uh, he can have all 10 shows. And then I'm like, okay. I guess, uh, yeah. Ah, that's just, it's just, it's just three things that happen, whatever. <laughs> and then, and then you get your first person on SNL and then you're like, oh, okay. And you get your second on SNL. Then another person, uh, <laughs> you know, books, a, a huge job. And then, and then all of a sudden somebody gets Montreal and it's like, then they get a development deal for $150,000 and you're like, oh. That's cool. When you get six development deals in one year and you're like, wow. And, and before you know it, you look back and you see that over 25 artists that you worked with started in a studio apartment or in humble beginnings and and they're multi-millionaires and their household names. Then you say to yourself, okay, I guess, I guess I, something's happening here. (laughs) Now, now, granted, something's happening for Will Ferrell. Something's happening for Tina Fey. Something's happening for Joe Rogan. You know, and and a million other people who I never represented. So there's somebody out there for everybody, and there's every artist has their own path and their own team that they'll work with. Sometimes they'll change teams. Mm-hmm. You know but for me and to you artists listening it's like that's how you you know that you're on the right track it's the incremental successes even on this blueprint thing like i was on a group call and there was a young woman who i know has like three jobs and but I think there's something really original about her. And I spend a lot of time with her trying to get her to look at the lens the right way and do the right kind of material. that's going to get the laugh. And I, I went to, cause it's an, it was an ask me anything call and everybody got a chance to ask me a question. And she said, I don't really have a question. I just want to let you know that I have three shows tonight. Wow. And I said, and it was like a Monday. And I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. And she was really nice about what we talked about. But essentially what she reiterated was it's the incremental thing. you're building your legend. Mm-hmm. So each one of you listening, you're building your legend one step at a time. And then you do really well on that open mic. And, you know, what's weird is one, you know, people come up to you and they say, hey, I got a show in Pomona Pomona, or I got a show mm-hmm. in Valencia. Mm -hmm. Will you come to this? Hey, will you close my show that I have here? And then people start following your legend that you're building. And then bigger things start happening for you. And then comedians like grandmothers, if they find out you got a standing ovation on a show on a Wednesday, I can guarantee you that, sometime in the next month the improv's going to call and say you want to do a spot here on our monday night show and it's like the nfl playoffs sadly it's like it's like you're you're like you oh let's celebrate we got the wild card
1: yeah
0: <laughs> oh, we we got we got to play the game oh, okay we're playing again hey we won the wild card game this is fantastic. oh we, we we got to play next week for the division championship <laughs> Hey, we won the division championship. Oh, we got to play again for the conference championship. We won the conference. Oh, we got to play for the Super Bowl. (laughs) It's like you're always, for those of you listening, honestly, I think it's true in your personal life and your professional life. Every time you're in front of anybody, pretend you're auditioning for the job i mean i say that personally because let me tell you something how many relationships go sour when you're a person who goes and treats every date that you have with that person like it's your first date mm-hmm. how many relations how many people look at that person and say oh, what a fucking loser that person is jesus they're I can't believe they wrote me a card again for the 10th time and they brought me a little gift. What a loser. Yeah, We'll go out with this other guy who has the futon and the guitar in the corner, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and we'll do our date on Runyon Canyon on a park bench, uh-huh. you know, whatever. It, it, but, but in your professional life, it's the same thing. It's like you go on these gigs and you, you're like, you're auditioning for like, it's your It's like you're going on like you're doing an audition for whatever you want to do an audition for. Mm -hmm. And taking risks is cool, too. I just want to share this. Like, if you're a sketch performer listening, look, I've had people test many, many times. Um, I represented Melissa Villasenor. She tested twice. She didn't get it. And then, you know, seven years later, she got it. I don't know why these things I thought her tests were amazing mm-hmm. and I've had other people test who shall remain nameless. I didn't think we're anywhere near as good as her tests, and they got it. No. So it, it just, but sometimes risks are fascinating to me. Like there's a, a girl who uh, got Saturday night live this year I'm sorry, I'm spacing on her name, but you can look uh, how many women got the job this year and look up her test for SNL. And it's so unbelievably shocking and original, yet it starts off where you think, oh, this is this could be pretty ordinary here. Mm-hmm. She starts just doing like one-liners from... Uh, uh, the Mike Myers movie where he's like oh, you know, Austin, Austin yeah. powers, like the evil, whatever. Yeah. So, so she just keeps doing these lines over and over again as a different character. There's just a name on the screen. There's a different character saying the line and it's like 20 of them in a row. And you're thinking, oh, this is, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting what she's doing, but I don't think this is going to get her the gig. And then just like, then just like out of nowhere, like she just breaks character and she's just like, "Stupid!" She's like she's holding. You can tell she's holding a phone, filming her, and she's just like, "Stupid, stupid, God damn it! God, I fucked it up!" God. And then she just keeps going, losing her way more and more to where she gets herself so frantic that she actually goes to the sink and throws up on her phone. <laughs> and you can, see, you can see the phone and her throwing up on the phone. Uh-huh. And she's washing the phone. And she's like, stupid, stupid, ruined my fucking phone. <laughs> and and it was so shocking to me, the risk that she took. She just didn't do the ordinary, I'm going to do the characters. Like, that gets the job most of the time. mm mm-hmm. But she took a chance she knew that they're not gonna hire her just off that but they they might say hey why don't we bring her in and see what she can do what character she's gonna do mm-hmm. and she came and she 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 got the show yeah. so I, I hope that uh that that helps uh people listening at all
1: yeah that I think you framed so many things that I've talked to so many people about v- so well. I'm going to use a lot of sound clips from this one. Um, one of the things, do, do you still have a little bit of time?
0: I'm yours, brother. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm here until you grow hair.
1: All right. <laughs> That's going to be a long, long night.
0: <laughs> and just, just so your audience knows, I'm not shitting on him. That's He made the joke yeah. before we about his hair, so I just don't want to look like I'm, I'm the asshole who's, uh, commenting on his hair.
1: So one of the things I do, and I wanted to, I wanted to bounce a couple of these off of you, is I, I pay attention to what comedians write um on forums like Reddit and Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, and the things the the ones that create the most conversation. And one of them I wrote down was. um hobbyist comedians need to step down and give stage time to comedians who are serious about their career. And I paraphrase that because they they weren't a very good writer, but um, there was a lot of talk about that. And I wanted to ask you, how many of the comedians that you ended up working with started out as hobbyist comedians?
0: I'm embarrassed to tell you that I don't. I don't even know. I don't think I know one person who, if you're talking about a hobbyist comedian, whereas somebody who just does it on a side hobby and that they don't care about it. I've never met anybody like that. I mean, are there a lot of people like that around?
1: Yeah, pleased to meet you. (laughs) But 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 I do care. I, I do care about it. But I. You know, and, and there are other people like me who just want to, you know, stay regional, um, do their thing, but they want to be good at their craft. And yet there are other people who they really want, they want to lean full time into the business and that's what they want to make their career. And I guess my statement is, is that there's room for us both. And some, some of us hobbyist comedians may even go on to do well. Um, why, why would you say the, we don't deserve the stage time?
0: Look, if I'm running a comedy club, which I did run many in my time, I, I'm going to put on the people who are serious about the crowd. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put on somebody who's going but that's up to me. That's up to each individual club. Mm-hmm. You know, another club owner might be like, wow, this guy's great for his five minutes. He does, uh, the wizard of Oz in five minutes. People love it. Uh, now he's going to go back to his job at accounting. Okay, whatever. Uh, but no, I mean, I if if I'm running a club, I want the people on the stage who are serious about the craft and want to be extraordinary at it and want a career at it.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. That's my answer there. Okay, here's the next one. Um, cancel culture has stifled comedy creativity and has watered down stand-up comedy. What do you feel about that one?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's factual. Uh, You know, it's it's like, look, I mean, this is what's crazy about it. I just want to share this. This is going to be a a long-winded answer. Okay. But I'm going to give it to you, okay? So I believe... And I'm sadly, I've been saying this for too long and maybe no one listens. There needs to be a governing body in the entertainment business that, you know, this, this board of directors, whatever it is like the Academy is for film or whatever, but for the entertainment business, you know, you're in the NFL, you somehow punch your wife outside of an elevator and drag her by her hair it's like oh okay you're gonna come into the office here we're gonna uh, talk about it and we're gonna do an investigation let's see okay the guy before you he got eight games off without pay he had to pay 250 dollars to the charity and uh that's your punishment And then they come back in the NFL. Hey, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, what happened? You, uh, did that, 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 and that. Okay. Well, that means you're going to be out for 10 games, a million dollar fine, and then you can come back when you take care of that. Oh, you got to go to counseling. Okay. That's good. Okay. All right. See you later, Antonio. Meanwhile, like, Louis C.K., one of the greatest comedians of our generation, uh, you know, pulls his pants down in a dressing room and does his business in front of two women who don't want him to do his business. And and then he leaves. And the guy's selling his special on his website. Mm. Meanwhile, Michael Jackson's penis can be identified by 13-year-olds and his songs play over all over the world and there are shows about him in Vegas and Broadway. Mm. It's like, what, what's, 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 I'm not saying what somebody like Louie did is correct or what, uh, Chris D'Elia did was correct. But I think there should be a thing where it's like, okay, the board of directors, Chris D'Elia. Okay. Um, there's a two years, you can't do any clubs and you can't do anything on television. Uh, you got to pay a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine to this charity that helps uh, young people avoid people like that. You got to do uh, twelve weeks of counseling, and then after that, you can be hired anywhere and it's acceptable and everything. It's like Sean Jackson is. There's twenty two women that said that he did things to them on a massage table, 22 women. <laughs> and the guy takes a year off and now he got a $230 million guaranteed contract. It's like, what, why isn't our business like that? we okay. Mike, Michael Richards. Okay. You said the N word in a comedy club. Okay. Uh, you're not allowed to go to any comedy clubs for a year. You've got to go to uh, uh, start a charity for people with sensitivity training, and you got to pay this fine, and then you come back. It's like I don't understand why. It's just Kevin Spacey. How can the greatest actor of my generation, or at least one of the top ten, the guy, the guy hasn't worked. The guy can't work. Yeah. It's like the guy. Yeah, he did bad things, but let's let's set a punishment and then let the punishment end and let's move on. And mm-hmm. so, so I, I, I so in that sense, I think cancel culture has affected things. I remember, I think it was, uh, I don't want to get this wrong. I had some people going to one of Jerry Seinfeld shows. And, um, I remember, I think I asked uh, George Shapiro, I said, listen, uh, can I get uh, two uh, tickets to the meet and greet? And he said, oh, Jerry's not doing the meet and greet anymore. Oh, why not? Well, you know how it is. You know, you, you touch somebody when you're taking a picture the wrong way and they, they you know. However, this is the good thing about cancel culture, if there is a good thing. If there is a good thing. It's that it forces a lot of comedians to do material that's um, forces their brain to do edgy, really, really smart material that is shocking, but doesn't hit those areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's face it, it's like, is it fair that, uh, you know, I love Don Rickles. I'm saying I love Don Rickles. I should be canceled for loving Don Rickles. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just watched a roast of his, an old roast of his from 50 years ago. And uh, it was LaWanda Page and Nipsey Russell and Leon Spinks and, and all African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And he's just in the middle of a routine and then he just looks over LaWanda Page and says, LaWanda, next Sunday, just the furniture. <laughs> And then, and then he just, you know, keeps going. Yeah. And it's like, he, he would never, you would never, now granted, they're laughing incredibly hard, but yeah. you, you'd he'd be, you'd be canceled in a second. Yeah. Like everything, like he did an HBO special where the mic broke, a uh, comic relief, and the stage manager was African-American, brought him a new mic. And he took the new mic, and the guy was walking away, and he rolled the mic on the stage and said, fetch. <laughs> You'd be done. Yeah. You'd be canceled in a second. So is it bad that I I like Hackett, or I like uh, Buddy, Buddy Hackett, one of the greatest comedians ever, made uh-huh. $175,000 a week in 1951 in Vegas? But, but, you know, we're able to listen to Rickles on... You can listen to them anywhere you want,
1: mm.
0: you know, and and that's okay. But we can't uh as comedians do it. You know, comedy is the one workplace. It's the one safe workplace where you can say anything you want and no mm. one can fire you right. until now. Yeah. And, and so, a lot of
1: uh, you know it's funny, a lot of the what when, when the, what I know about comedy and comedians is they used to... So I, I did a, a, a live special with uh, Tom Dreeson and some of his friends uh, a couple years ago. And backstage, be, we're using this thing, and uh, you know, backstage before we started filming, they are just tearing into each other. And, you know, they're... Um, you know, um, one, one of the guys that uh, came on uh, can't think of his name. Mark. Um, anyway, he 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 comes in. He pops in, and Tom says, "Oh, we got the Jews here, so we 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 know what's going to happen now." And then and then he had a Catholic guy in there, so there was a lot of religious stuff, and there was a lot of ethnic stuff being said, and they were all la- laughing and loving it, and comedians used to get together and they used to bust balls. And I'm in a, a, a um, uh, city now where, I mean, if you're not super supportive and super nice to everybody, you are canceled by the group of comedians that you're in because you're not, you, you're not allowed to be yourself. And I think that's, that's kind of sad.
0: No, I mean, it. uh, there's a lot of things that are sad. Yeah. But um, but again, the business doesn't care what you think. So it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you take people's breath away. You blow people the fuck away. Yeah. And you do extraordinary work. That's all that matters. Right. If you do that. Anybody listening to this call know any comedians any comedian in the world that goes on and gets standing ovations every night that isn't successful. Is there, is there anybody we we know? If you got a standing ovation in Guam in a bathroom, (laughs) people would find you. Yeah, (laughs) You're doing extraordinary material and you're working in Tanzania. People will find you. Mm -hmm. I just was watching a comedian set. I loved it. It was, um, so watching the first two jokes, I think he was from South Africa, uh, African American, not African American, African guy from South Africa. Um, uh, uh not white skin, dark skin. Mm-hmm. And the joke was, I mean, you can't, again, when I say this to your audience, you can't, you know, what's great. So this was the premise. He, I think he gets a gig in the United States, and you know, uh, the next day there's a there's a white woman cleaning his room,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's like, "Oh my God, you don't understand where I where I come from. It's not for a white person to be cleaning your room. It's like it was unbelievable. I was throwing shit on the floor <laughs> while she was cleaning." So that's the first joke. So the yeah. premise is a white person is cleaning my room for the first time. And I'm a black person. <laughs> that's the premise. So the first joke is I'm throwing shit on the floor as she's cleaning. So you can visualize the garbage going on the floor with the, and, and, and then the second joke comes, there's, there's many jokes, but the second joke comes where he he, he kind of imitates the maid and he, the maid looked at me and says, how, how can you do that? Why are you doing this to me? And he looks at her and he says, I I don't know how long this is going to last. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so another, uh, just another uppercut. Yeah. You can, like you can read that on a piece of paper and you know that's funny.
1: Uh huh. Yep.
0: You know, it's like, you, you know, it's funny. And comedy is like, it's like the horror movie. If you see the knife on the kitchen table, you know the knife is going to be used later on. Yeah. If you watch the movie Saw till the very end, you're like, holy shit. I can't believe that that was, how the, oh my God. And that's what you want from your comedy. You want that just just like they can't believe you're going in that direction mm-hmm. you know like there's a comic mark cohen who i love who i went to school with yeah. high school with. and mark is like a lovable hack and he knows it Uh huh. and i still laugh at him yeah
1: i love him even, yeah
0: even though i know where he's going and everybody in the crowd knows where he's going with certain things for instance i saw him the other night and just to let your audience know this is like even when you know where somebody's going if they're a lovable huggable guy yeah they may not make it to be superstars but somehow they can still make you laugh and you acknowledge okay this guy's this guy's not really doing the right thing but it's it's, it's fun. Yeah, he does this thing where he says, "Oh, you guys are a nice crowd." The other night, there was this drunk guy he was heckling me. You know, I'm doing my act. He's like, "Hey, comedian, I fucked your mother, <laughs> sir. Listen, could you sit down? I'm trying to do my act here for these people. I do another five minutes." He stands up. Hey, comedian, I fucked your mother, sir. Please, I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to do a great show here. Five minutes later, hey, comedian, I fucked your mother. I'm like. Dad, will you sit down, please? (laughs) And so, like, you know where it's going. You still laugh, but you know that that's not going to get you where you want to (laughs) go. You know, the joke, like the joke I said before with the, you know, the white maid and the... That's going to get you where you want
1: to go. yep. Yep, I... I dig that. I, I understand. Um, so one of the things that's intrigued me since I've been studying you is this uh, blueprint for success thing. Because I'm looking at it, and it looks like there's a lot of stuff there. Can you kind of break down what you're doing with that?
0: First of all, you have too much time on your hands. I think you're going to have to lower your expectations
1: uh, at <laughs> You, you got to no. clean up that lens.
0: You got to clean that lens. I got to yeah. clean the
1: lens. Clean the lens
0: this is, this is the thing about me that uh, I think has always been uh, challenging is I, I, I don't like just doing one thing. I want to try to do other things that are, that I can make an impact on. Like, like I love managing and there's something amazing about creating great opportunities for people. But I also like, you know, producing television projects, you know, that they work on or great artists work on or films. Um, or sometimes I just like producing a film that, you know, doesn't have anything to do with artists that I work with. Like, uh, I did a documentary misery loves comedy that, um, I, you know, it was like Larry David and Judd Apatow and, um, the late Bob Sagan and, you know, Kevin Pollock directed it. And it went to the Tribeca Film Festival. It was bought by Tribeca it got a, a release. And, you know, and it has nothing to do with any other piece of business I'm doing, but I love because it, it was about comedy and it was about the story about comedy and how, and hopefully it was inspiring to people in the comedy business. And so, and then I did the podcast. I started that about you know, almost a decade ago. And I offered you know, it's offered for free. I don't have any ads. I don't have any HelloFresh on there or anything like that. I even just got an email from Manscaped that they wanted to do something. I'm like (laughs) I'm like, do I there's a joke there. But like do I
1: Hey, you can get a free Manscaped kit. I got I got the whole thing. It was great.
0: Well you're using it in the wrong place. I just want you to know that. But anyway, so uh so, um, but I just, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, like I I love offering it for free. I've done interviews with Kevin Hart, the president of Netflix, Ted Sarandos. I've done uh, great lawyers uh, like John Moonbez who represents uh, Ray Romano. I've done Caitlyn Jenner. I've done, you know, Dr. Phil. I've done every, I've done 25 network presidents. I've done film studio presidents and it just the inspirational stories behind these people. And then I just realized it's just, I know that I'm offering something to these people that are, that's important, but I don't get to interact with them Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. I thought, well, why don't I try to create something where there could be all these different tiers where I could create a, a bunch of mm-hmm. content during the pandemic that I could just throw on there. That when somebody joined, they got a ton of stuff, and each tier got certain things, and and the next tier got everything that the earlier tier got plus more things, and the next tier got everything that everybody else had but more things, mm-hmm. and and so there's there's room for people to join for ten dollars. And there's room for people to join for $250 who want to have like a one-on-one 30-minute call a month with me or mm-hmm. something like that, where I can go over stuff. And there's all these these group calls where I try to engage people to get asked their questions and answer their questions. There's one that breaks down the first comedy set of a certain artist. This month, we did uh, Pete Davidson. mm mm-hmm. uh, Uh, There's like a round table where uh, I bring in a special guest. I've had everybody from Tommy Davidson to uh, Julie Ashton, who's the casting director for not only the internship, but also Mad TV, but also uh, Bob's Burgers and Mm. uh, Big Mouth animated shows. Um, This month I have Victor Nelly, who's a director, executive producer who's done The Office and Superstore and Wonder Years. and, And, they get to sit down across from these people and ask them questions and hear how they made it. And I also do like an ask me anything call where people can ask me anything they want. So, and I get to do it in my spare time to where it doesn't affect anything else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be most everything at night or on the weekends. And it's amazing the impact that it has on people because for like a relatively little amount of money, they're almost They're they're getting, they're getting the sort of stuff that I used to give the advice that I used to give and what I've given to people who I manage or when I'm producing a show or a film and they're able to get it from me in this program, but also uh, have a dialogue in between the people as well and interact with the people and then, and, and talk about, uh, those kind of parts of the business. And what's the most fun is, uh, seeing a show that, uh, somebody will do. There was a show at the comedy store recently with one of the people I work with and and then they booked somebody from that program on their show. And and Mm -hmm. so there was another thing where somebody produced a television show uh, that I helped them film. Uh, I helped them get it all together and put all the pieces together. Um, And then, you know, I also do consulting where you get to you know, there's people out there, obviously, who have more financial resources than others, and but they want to they want to they want to shoot their hour special, but they want to know how to do it, and they want to save the most money, and they want the best people. Recently, I did a hour special for somebody uh, I was working with, and and i had like the guy who you know worked with uh george carlin and the rolling stones producing i had uh, the director did whitney cummings and veer das i had the sound guy from sticks and stones the lighting guy i think from bill burris special and and uh or you know and then the set designer who did so many different comedian specials i can't even count them and and I can help people put those things together who have like more financial resources and, and they want to produce their own things, but they don't know how to go about doing it. So mm-hmm. I, I get to do a lot of different things. Um, and it it keeps me really excited about what I'm doing. But the thing that I'm most excited about through all those platforms, whether it be management or anything else, the greatest thing in the world is when you can be of service to people and you can make an impact on their life that helps change their life forever. It's just, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you think having a servant's heart like you do has gotten you where you are?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I was talking to somebody the other day and I guess I can share the news. Um, a guy who created the first digital comedy club, uh, Ben Glebe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is that um? Is it called Nowhere?
0: Yeah, Nowhere Comedy yeah. Club. He, he was the host of um, Idiot Test on Netflix for maybe 200 episodes. Yeah. And he called me and said he noticed this thing that I was doing with helping comedians, and he said that's he said that's so you, Barry. And I said. Why, why do you say that? He said, Barry, you forget when I was a freshman in college, I called you and I started a show at my college and you helped me get in touch with great comedians who I booked on my show when I was 18 years old. And you, I used to call you late at night and you're still doing the same thing late at night. So, uh, you know, putting your expertise together and helping people to do what they want to do. It makes them happy. So mm-hmm. it, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Cause I, I I, I sort of forgot about that at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, it seems obvious to me that your, your desire to help others get where they want to go has uh, been what's uh, your biggest success story.
0: And, so. and I feel, and I feel bad Scott and you know, cause you, you know, but, the the reason why I, I'm doing this podcast with you, not just because I have a lot of respect for you, but if all the reasons were sitting here and I had to pick one that's the most important, it's it's just being able to being able to reach out to people in the comedy community or starting, letting them know that it's going to happen, it will happen, it can happen. It does happen. I've seen it happen over 25 times when somebody had nothing and then went on to do great things. Mm -hmm. I've I've seen it. It doesn't matter. Just, I've been there and it happens and it happens over and over again. And it's going to happen again uh, in three months. And it's going to happen again in three months. And there's going to be another person that you're going to see. It happens. And... As in the immortal words of, uh, Rob Schneider and eight Adam Sandler movies.
1: You can it.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's
1: beautiful. Okay. One last thing. We've been talking for a long time, but I do want to ask you this. Okay. A comedian, um, is they don't suck. They've got some promise. Uh, but they got a lot of work to do, and you got five minutes to tell them what their next step should be. What would you tell a new comedian to do in order to accelerate their career?
0: All right, first thing to do is to wipe their mind clean of any negativity having to do with anybody or anything in the business. Start from zero, zero like they're looking at their material from zero, zero. I would, I would transcribe all of your material into the premises and the punchlines and look at it, really look at it and study it. And if you gave that to a bunch of different people on the street who you don't know, would they laugh at every single thing? Mm -hmm. And if they wouldn't start writing jokes, like you're a monologue writer for, Colbert you know they write a hundred monologue jokes they get one joke on they're like doing handstands and eating caviar in the office mm-hmm. you know, it's like all it takes is one and so and then you think about your winning formula when you're with groups of people what you're like and how you talk to people and take that to the stage and then know that each audience is like you're surfing. It's like you're riding a different wave each time, and you just got to stay on the board. You got to ride the wave and stand the board. Each level of laughter is going to be different. The timing is going to be different. Keep learning how to ride. You're going to get thrown off a few times. Mm. You're going to get hurt. But eventually, you'll be doing the pipeline in Hawaii.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, I feel like we've done a little masterclass here. You've put, you've put, you've framed things that have been told to me by a lot of different people better than I've ever heard them. So, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the time you've taken with me.
0: No, I appreciate you. And I'm really happy that you're going to send me your used manscaping kit. I'm looking forward to that. We could just wipe it off with some, uh, a towelettes that would be nice and, uh, <laughs> and boil it in surgical steel uh, uh, uh surgical uh cool water that'd be great yeah and, you uh, know
1: i'll just blow on it and put it in a bag it'll be all right
0: <laughs> and, uh, but uh yeah listen i've enjoyed it tremendously and like if anybody needs to get a hold of me or anytime you can just go on the website and, and do that and again I'm grateful for the time. I want people to win, and um, hopefully that will happen from this. And you're a good guy, and hopefully you're not a hobbyist at podcasting.
1: No, yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing I'm not a hobbyist at. But I tell you what, this Blueprint for Success is looking uh, kind of good for me. It looks, it looks like something that uh, I'm going to pick a level, and maybe you'll see me on one of these Zoom chats.
0: You'll be uh... – You'll be surprised. Like, it's really... I think the one thing, again, that not to take more time, again, as an artist or as a comedian or anything, you, you kind of know if you're doing something right because, you know, people don't seem to leave. They don't seem to want to go, you know, right. and it's constantly a challenge thinking to myself, okay, uh, how do I keep them? How do I make them? What more information can I give them? What can I do to... To, to add more value and that's the last thing I want to say on this podcast if there's one thing I don't care if you're listening and you're a guy who builds houses works at the Chipotle or in an office or as a comedian you have to add value if you don't add value you're not going to get anywhere you go to the comedy club that owner of that comedy club doesn't see people laughing and drinking and eating more, then you're not coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to add value to where you get asked to open up for somebody on the road. You sure as hell better be writing them a thank you note and getting them a little gift and telling them how grateful you are and killing, but not killing so Mm -hmm. hard that they're having a hard time following and yeah. Add you everywhere you go. People will follow you. They'll embrace you. And your star will always rise. Wow.
1: That's great. That's great. That's that's a good one to end on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Barry. This has been great. And I, I tell you, I'm, I'm going to listen back just so I know that I caught everything that was uh, great nuggets of wisdom. But it, this was fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to know I might be the first person to have two episodes, a part one and a part two.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, Barry.
0: Thank you. Great job. A pleasure. You're a great host.
1: We're actually we're off live now. You you you'll be my second two parter because Larry Hankin talked to me for three hours.
0: (laughs) Awesome.
1: Yeah. Have you ever met Larry? No. Oh, he's he's definitely he's definitely one of a kind. He's uh he he's 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 one of those guys that um he's he's got enough stuff um going on in his head that he can't look backwards, so he doesn't he he doesn't like think. He's in his 80s and he doesn't think about the old days. He's always looking forward, and just that is is so energizing that it. it I I just he kept talking and I kept listening. It was
0: great. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks. This was fun. You'll probably see me on, on uh blueprint.
0: Uh you'll get a lot out of it. I don't I don't know uh what your goals are, but uh you'll uh you'll figure them out, believe yeah. me.
1: Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well thanks, Barry. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Bye bye.